Okay, Rakesh, when I tell you to, I'm going to show you. Don't, don't put it up yet. Matthew 22, verse 34, and I'm going to go to 34 to 39, when I tell you to. Kind of sounded like Festus then when I said Matthew, didn't I? That's a shame. I must be a dinosaur. You know, it, it, you know what's one of the worst things about getting older? Is that the people that get your jokes are just dying. <laughs> it gets to the point where you're the only one left telling these stupid jokes, you know. <laughs> Okay, hallelujah. I'm going to ask you some questions. I've even got a pen here to write some answers down if you want to share with me. If I can find my pen. And the question is, uh, what is the purpose of life? What did I do with my pen? There it is right here. I have a friend, I I play a tournament duplicate bridge, and I've been doing that for 40, nearly 42 years. And uh, one of my first, my first uh, um, permanent or my first partner that I played with on a regular basis moved away and then a couple of years ago he moved back so I got to uh, I have other partners and and, uh, he's he's a brother of somebody that's uh, that you know very well and the uncle of somebody I'm not going to tell you their name but you know he's not a believer and um, you know I I still love him and I still talk to him a lot about the Lord and uh, but once in a while uh, in bridge before you lay your before you lead, you're supposed to say to your partner, any questions, partner. And so it was my lead. And so I said, any questions, partner? And my friend says to me, what's the meaning of life? You know, of course, that's not the kind of questions you're asking. You know, you're just like, and he kind of caught me off guard there. And, um, um, I, I honestly, I, I believe I might have missed the boat here, but uh, I know he's an unbeliever. We have talked about things, and I, I think he was kind of baiting me in the first place, you know. And so I, so I looked him in the eye, and I said, 15 minutes can save you 15% on Geico insurance. <laughs> I got some laughs out of that one. And it, it, it was a commercial on TV. It says 15 minutes can save you 15%, up to 15. And, and it's like that's, that, there was this commercial that says that was the meaning of life, you know. <clears throat> so I said, so I said that. And uh, he knows where I come from and everything. So we got a kind of good laugh out of that one. But what is the meaning of life? Adam, you got a definition, huh? 
Okay, I'll skip that one. Well, you've got good ears up there, don't you? Yes. This is not an open book test, so stop cheating. You said same, almost the same thing he said, so we'll skip over that one. Does anybody have a... Yeah, I guess I'm going to skip everybody, because you know, otherwise you're going to preach my sermons for me. Uh, anyone else? I'm going to tell you what their answer was in a minute. Anybody else want to take a stab at what's the meaning of life? Yes. It's whatever you make of it. I didn't expect that one. (laughs) It's whatever you make of it. Hmm. What's that? That was a freebie. (laughs) Well, I certainly wasn't expecting that one. No, I don't want you, you you almost messed up my sermon the first time. You think I'm going to give you a second shot at it? No. Anybody else have any answers? I'll get you in a minute, Adam. Anybody else want to take another shot at it? Yes. I don't know. I could not hear you. Sorry. Wow. You like that one better than yours, huh? A lot better? Oh, I don't know. I think they might be connected there a little bit, you know. Anybody else have one? Yes. That's close enough, though. Life, love. You know, yes, the meaning of life. Any others? Fulfill our purpose, God has placed it in us on this earth. To fulfill the purpose of God that God has put within us here on earth, on this earth. Yes. Anybody else have some? Okay. Rakesh, you got one up there? I'm not, I'm not actually talking to the Lord. I, there's a guy named Rakesh up there. He, he thought maybe I was getting, yeah, I thought I was, you know, getting on a first name basis with, you know, some angel named Rakesh, you know. Rakesh, you got something up there? In the neighborhood? All right, all right, great. All right, well, let's, I'll tell you what, let's just look at this scripture. This is in Matthew 22. There's a slew of other scriptures. Uh, most of them have to do with about the same time period in the other gospels. But uh, it says this, verse 34, chapter 22 but when the Pharisees had heard that he, being Jesus, this is, this is uh, Palm Sunday, okay, that this is taking place. And it's a week before the Passover. 
And so he says this, when he had heard that, uh, when he had heard that he being Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence, I mean, put them in their place. There were two major factions of, of, uh, of Jewish, uh, denominations, if you want to call them that, uh, sects. And, uh, one of them was Pharisees and they were not very fair, you see. Anyway, and the other one was Sadducees. They, they were kind of sad, you see. Anyway, Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he put them to silence. And when they had heard that, they, the, the Pharisees, they were gathered together. And one of them, which was a lawyer, got two marks against him, you know, asked him a question, asked Jesus a question tempting him and saying, which is going to get your answer here, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Cut it. Um, Jesus himself says he's the first and there's other places and he says here he says uh, uh, sometimes it says with all thy heart mind body soul spirit you know names off all of these different ways but it says the first of all commandments is to love God with all your heart with all your mind with all your body soul and spirit and uh, second is like namely no, you weren't wrong. I, no, you, you, both of you weren't wrong. You just, you stole my answer. You're not supposed to be stealing my answer. No, not at all. You weren't wrong. When I skip over you, it's because you were right. And that yours was excellent, by the way. You know, and we, we, we talked about this last week a little bit. We were talking about how do you love God and with all your mind, body, soul, spirit, strength? How do you do that? Has anybody got some answers for that? And I'm not going to skip over you this time. Yes. Hmm. You've been listening to the previous sermons, weren't you? Yeah, pretty good. You have to present yourself an offering, a living offering to God. That's one way of loving God with all your body, soul, and spirit. What's another one? Yo. Let the praise of God continually in your mouth. Yes, let the praise and worship of God continually be in your mouth. So that's another way of loving God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. What's another one? Sure, go ahead. Follow the Ten Commandments. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, yes, we'll come back to that one. Yes. Oh yeah, we talked about that last week. You have to know that God loves you first. Yeah, it's one of my favorite scriptures. I, I've, I've shared this at meetings where uh, 
large groups of Christians. I've shared it with large groups of pastors. And I said, and I've shared, what do you think pleases God more than anything else? And it's like a whole lot of slew of right answers to that. It talks about how uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But, but he that comes to God must believe that he is That means he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. And there's praise and worship came in that and doing those things which are pleasing in his sight. There's so many different ways of doing things which are pleasing him. And by doing things that are pleasing him, you're loving him, right? The thing, though, that I was, I said, nobody ever really got the right answer on that one question. What pleases God more than anything? Because, yeah, they got onto it a little bit because Hebrews eleven six that's without faith, it's impossible to please him. But in first John five, it talks about how uh, God is love. And then it goes on down and it says there's no fear in love, but perfect, perfect love casts out fear. And then he says this or. He says this before that. He says, we have known and believed. There you got faith. We have known and believed in the love that God has for us. So what it counts, you know, faith works by love. It says that in Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. And so it's not just believing in God. And I'm not saying that Hebrews 11.6 isn't just talking about believing in God, but specifically believing that God loves you. And you know something, I, 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 if I don't get them on that one, agreement on that one, I get them on the next one, especially if you're a father or a mother. If you really examine yourself and your relationship with your children, if there's, you know, there are many ways that your children can please you, you know, they can... Uh, following your footsteps there there's uh they can do do things that are you're proud of and all that but the truth of the matter is and and i i hope i speak for everybody in here but maybe not there's one thing as far as my children was concerned is that if they didn't do this then none of that other stuff would matter to me all the things that they could do to please me would be of little importance And what was it? They would have to never doubt. They would have to believe that I love them. And and it's like, if they believe that, they could pretty much get away with anything, you know. (laughs) I mean, they're not going to get away with it. But I'm saying, I, they'll, uh, they could be rascals and they still, if they believe that I loved them, that would please me more than, than anything else. And so it's not just believing in God, but believing that he loves us. And you can't really love him until you he know that he loves us. So in order to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, you have to know how much he loves you. You have to believe in him. And so we had all these other answers. One of the answers that I think that I think is good is that God wants us to know him. Again, this fits in with loving him. He wants us to know him. And like Paul says, to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. God wants us to know him in an intimate way. And uh, 
So there are many answers for this, but it all falls into the one category. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, body, soul, and spirit. And why does he say, and the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself? Because Jesus said this, God said this, if you love me, if you love him that has begotten you, then love him that is begotten of, of me. In other words, if you love him, God says this, if you love me, love them that are begotten by me, which means his children. You see, if we really want to love God with all our hearts, mind, body, soul, and spirit, then we have to be committed to loving one another. Because it is true that there are ways of loving God by faith without loving one another. But there is no way that you can love God without loving one another. In other words, you can, there are ways you can love God, worship Him, praise Him, tell Him you love Him, uh, get to know Him. But if you really want to love Him, then you got to love His children too. And that's true if you're a father. You know, if you had a couple of sisters or a couple of brothers or a brother and a sister and they just hated each other's guts, that, w- that would be so hurtful to you as a father. You want your children to love one another. God wants his children to love one another. Right? Amen? Okay, last week we talked about one way of loving God is loving his word. If you want to get to know God, you have to learn God's word. You have to study God's word. You have to be a doer of God's word. You have to care about God's word. You have to have faith in God's word. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. If you are, God himself, he has said, I have magnified my word above all my name. Wow. And boy, his name is pretty important. We just heard a word about his name a while ago, didn't we? How high his name and how we should worship his name and magnify his name. But God himself says, I've, I've magnified my word above all my. All the names that you can come in name of God, God says at the top of the list is my word. See, he in the beginning was the word. That was one of the names, the logos of God. So you have to love the Lord your God. I want to give you a quick illustration. We've had a lot of things going on here today. And I'm going to close with this. I even had Rodney come back and pray for me. Because he, he knew I was like going over all the things. Let's pray. Thank you God for your word. Thank you God for your love. Uh, that we may know you. And the power of your resurrection Lord Jesus. That we may believe in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're not going to look at this. Rakesh is up there. Hi. <laughs> you take a little nap? Yeah. <laughs> He's so sweet up there. That's great. He is. <laughs> um, and I was going to, I woke you up to say, I don't want you putting any scriptures up on this one. Now, the reason I say this, when I start telling a story and he sticks the scriptures on her up there, then I start reading the story and I just get so confused. I don't know what. It's easier for me to just tell you what it says. 
and then you check it out later. You be Berean and go back and see if I wasn't pulling your, the wool over your eyes. And sometimes I'd pull the wool over your eyes just for the fun of it and see if you're paying attention. No, I'm kidding. No, I don't do it just for the fun of it. I, I do it for other reasons. Anyway. Okay. I'm standing up. Hallelujah. I still want to have the pulpit set up over there and have all the chairs sit up this way because I need cool air. Amen. It says Jesus started attracting tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees and the scribes looked looked at him and they're thinking, what is he doing? If he knew who these people were, he wouldn't be, you know, eating with them and drinking with them. And so Jesus turned to the Pharisees knowing what they had said and he says three parables. One parable is about the, the, the widow woman that had lost a coin. Another parable was about a shepherd who wandered, the sheep run off. And then the third parable, he starts staring. He says, there was a man who had two sons. He was a wealthy man. And one of the younger son, the younger son came to him and said, Father, I, uh, I want my inheritance now. Now, it may not sound a whole lot to, uh, to us, but in those days, you only gave your inheritance out when you were dead. And so what he is actually saying to his father, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. At which time, the community would have went aghast and would have expected him and anybody else would have expected the father to just, the only thing he was going to give him was a few blows and the door, you know. And so, but he didn't do that. It says that he sold his things and he liquidated everything so that he could give the younger son his, in, his inheritance before he died. The younger son took the inheritance, went to a far country, which was probably wise because he wouldn't have been welcome in that community anymore. And he goes to a far country and he spent all of his inheritance on uh, riotous living with, with women and drinking and gambling, you know. Kind of reminds me of a Burt Reynolds movie when the guy said uh, he robbed a train and there was like something like $20,000 in gold that he was using to buy guns and stuff with it. Anyway, they caught him and they said, where's the $20,000 in gold? He says... Uh, I spent it. And so he says, the, the guy says, you spent $20,000 in three days. This is a Western, you know, three days. He says, yep. Of course, they bought weapons for the, for the revolution in Mexico. And so he says, what could you possibly have spent $20,000 in three days? And he says, well, I spent some on women and some on drinking and some on gambling and I wasted the rest. I knew I shouldn't have told that one. People are so embarrassed for me at this moment. It was funny. He was lying too, you know. 
Anyway, he wasted his money on riotous living. Then there was a great famine, and he was broke. And it says that he was uh, feeding pigs husk, and he was so hungry that he was, he says he was naked and uh, with a loincloth, you know, and he was eating husk. And then he says to himself, the hired hands have it better in my father's house than I'm having it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to throw myself on his mercy. And I'm going to ask him to take me back as a son. I'm going to ask him just take me back as a hired hand. And I will serve him. And it says when he started on his way back, here he is is naked, it says in the parable. And he's coming out over the hill. And it says the father sees him from a great distance off. Which also shows you that ever since the day that the young man had left, the father would look out over the hills to see if he could see his son coming back. And all of a sudden, he sees that it's his son that is coming back. And what does he do? Is he runs out to meet him. He didn't wait for the son to come groveling to him. And the the son had a rehearsed story. He says, I'm going to throw myself on your mercy. And he says, Father, I'm going to say... That even the hired hands have it better than, 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 uh, than I have it. Would you take me back, not as a son, but as a hired hand? And the father meets him up, meets him halfway, running to him. Now, here's something else that doesn't sound too much like what we understand. But for uh, where they wore the robes, and they would have to gird themselves and run. Grown men did not do that. It would be an embarrassing thing for them to do it. But it's no, nevertheless, he takes his uh, robe uh, or his loin, he girds himself, and he runs up to the son, and the son starts his repentance. And he says, Father, I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against God. But he didn't get this story out before the father grabs him, and he starts kissing him. And he, and he tries to, and he says, he tells the servants, go kill the fatted calf. He says, my son who was lost is now found, and we are going to celebrate his coming back. And so they go and they kill the fatted calf, and they start, he says, invite everybody in. Well, I'm going to have a great party, because my son was gone, and now he's back again, and he's restored. Meanwhile, they're, and they're having a party, Meanwhile, the older son, the elder son that never left, starts hearing about this, this noise that's coming from the house. And so he starts in, and some, some of the other servants met him on the way before he got there. And he says, what's going on in the house? And he says, your younger brother is back. And your father has welcomed him back and has restored him, and they've killed the fatted calf. The older son gets really upset with him. And so he wouldn't go in. The father heard about it. So the father goes out to the older son. Now, if you don't know by now, the, the prodigal son that, that left is, represents the sinners of the world. The younger, the older brother represents the religious order. Represented those Pharisees and those, those scribes that were so uh, upset about the fact that he had fellowship with sinners. And so this older brother refuses to go back in. The father comes out 
and says, your brother is back. He says, yeah, I know, I heard. He says, won't you come in and celebrate with us? Your brother who was lost is now found. And he says, you bringing that bum back into our family after what he's done? He says, I stayed with you. And since I was just a little boy, I have done everything that you have required of me. I have served you. You never even gave a goat uh, to, to be killed so that my friends and I could have a party. And yet you killed a fatted calf for this younger brother of mine. And so, and, and so the father says to him, everything I have is yours. I, but now your brother who was lost is back. And he says, please come in. He wouldn't go in. Now I say that because last week I said, this is not, uh, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. But you see, that isn't enough. It isn't enough to just do something out of religious attitude. You understand what I'm saying? Because see, the older, the older son, if he had love the father if he knew that the father had loved him for starters you know what would have happened when the younger son took off the older brother would have come into the father and said give me some of my inheritance now to father because I'm going to go after him. I'm going to find him and I'm going to bring him back to you. If he loved the father, wasn't just serving out of some religious attitude. If he loved the father, he would have been so happy that the younger son was back, that his younger brother was back. You see, but it's, you know, I know a story of a, of a guy in Vietnam whose older brother, who was not in the army, had someone that went to Vietnam in the army and was missing in action. So the older brother liquidated everything he had to go over to Vietnam while the war is still going on. And he hunted and hunted for his younger brother. And it said it got, uh, the word got out that the Viet Cong... And the, Viet, the, the Vietnamese armies and the Red Chinese armies had heard about this brother. Didn't come with guns. He just came to find his younger brother. And so what happened was they would not, they would not harm him in any way. It's based on a true story. And he was just basically called the brother. You see, aren't you glad... How many younger brothers do we have in here? I, I was one of those who just wasted everything, wasted my whole life before Jesus saved me. How many of you are glad that we didn't have an older brother like the prodigal son's younger brother? You know, the, the prodigal son's older brother. No, no. We had an older brother that went after us, <laughs> sold everything he had to come and get us, to save us, to bring us back to the Father. You see, part of knowing and loving God with all your heart 
is knowing that He loves you with all of His heart. And He loves those ones that are still lost with all His heart. And He would have us not be like the prodigal son's older brother, but we would be like our older brother, Jesus Christ. You see? Who, who, who paid everything, who sacrificed everything. And so part of loving God with all your... You know the scriptures that I read about Jesus saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Do you know when he was saying that? Just before, a week before, he was going to go to the cross. And uh, what that is signifying there is why he went to the cross. See, he went to the cross... So that we could be restored to the Father. Hello? Why have I been created? I have been created to love my Father, my God. You have been created to love Him with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And the second is like, namely this. That we love one another. It's it's like because God... When you love somebody, you'll love what they love. You know, when you love somebody, you'll, you'll, <laughs> if your kid is into something, man, I'll tell you, you know, I never watched soccer. I never, I can remember the one day I played soccer. I was in the fifth grade at Fannin uh, Elementary School in Abilene, Texas, and I got hit in the, I, well, I started to get hit in the face with the ball and I raised my hands up and it hit me anyway, but I also hit it with my hands. And I got a foul called on me. And the coaches started arguing over it. He says he was just trying to keep his, keep his, getting his head knocked off. I don't care. It's a foul. It's a foul. And that's the only time in my whole life I've played soccer. <laughs> I never, I wasn't interested, never playing again. But I got grandkids that play soccer. You know, I watched an entire soccer game on television. My wife always wanted me to go see Hartwick. I didn't do that. I should have, but I didn't. So to prepare myself, I watched Russia and Poland play a game in soccer. And the announcer was saying these horrible things about the dirty Russian players. And I couldn't figure out which players they were talking about. (laughs) I'm like, they all look like they're dirty players to me, you know. And, and I, I don't know nothing about soccer. But if you love somebody, you'll love what they love. Hello? If you love somebody, you'll be willing to eat at a Mexican food restaurant once in a while for me. Yeah? Amen? If you love the Father, you could not... If you knew the Father... If you, first of all, you know the older brother? He didn't know the Father. If he had known the Father, he would have known that his... He, would have, he, would have, he could have seen that every day the father would be looking out over the hill to see if his son was coming home. You know? I don't know when you got saved, but when I got saved, I realized that the father was looking out over the hill for me to come back. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. I don't know if, who in here is one of the prodigal, is the a prodigal son that has run from God and today's the day to come back. 
I've been both. I've been the prodigal son that ran from God. I've been the second, the older son that has been judgmental and critical of the sinners. When I was probably the chief among them. But uh, if you have never, if you haven't come back to the Father, we'd like to pray with you today to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and be restored in fellowship. That's what life is all about for us to love God and fellowship with Him, have communion with the living God, to know Him, to desire Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's got to be first. You know, Paul says in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, he says, I have labored over you as a chaste church, as a virgin, so that I could present you to the Father, to my, to my God, as a chaste virgin. And I heard a story one time by, by uh, Ron Perry, how Ron Perry used to say when he played his guitar, and uh, you, you have no idea when this guy could play his guitar. He sounded gr- better than most guitar players sound. Ron Perry could tune his guitar sounding more, better than most guitar players could play their guitar. And he could play his guitar. And uh, when he started playing, he was about five years old. He'd get home from school, he'd gun and grab his guitar and he'd play until they'd tell him, come down for dinner. Go down, snuff food down, go and play his guitar. Get through playing his guitar, or he'd be playing his guitar. Go to bed, get some sleep. So he'd go to bed, pretend he was getting, going to sleep, and then he'd sneak out of bed and go into the closet pray very softly to play his guitar he says he lived his whole life like that playing his guitar you know and when people come and say boy I really wish I could play that guitar like you did like you can Ron Perry would say I don't know it's easy (laughs) it's easy when it's the only thing in your life loving God is easy if he's number one not so easy if he's not.